What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horton. This is this is the NWA, the podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest pro wrestling entity of all time. Talking about that National Wrestling Alliance, and this is this is the NWA Weekly, where we talk about everything going on with the talent, the brand, and the people that love the brand. I don't know. That almost sounded like a legitimate intro to a show that last part but i just tacked that on just now anyway i'm not alone i am joined by that guy that's will martin hello hey it's will daily hello and also we're joined by the doc rob stinson good evening good afternoon my friends (laughs) which is it rob (laughs) i don't know whenever you watch this good morning (laughs) Rob, you either you either just look like you freaked out on camera for the first time ever for some reason, or we just found out you're stoned, and I don't know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just in a minute in a, in a in a like a eureka moment, I was like, man, people are going to be listening to this at all hours. So I said, I said, good evening. He's like, wait a second, hold on. I always listen to it in the morning. So there you go. I think we're working out. We get it. <laughs> So it was a freak out. He just like his, he short circuited his brain, like right then. <laughs> Good time, everyone. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's happened to me too. So I have no room to talk. Anyway, I've been fidgeting with my hat today because I, uh, I always wear it down like this, but I've seen flat build, right? But I, I can't stand that. So I still curve the bill, but then also nobody cares, but I'm, I'm, I'm in it now. So I'm talking about it. Uh, I watched the Inside the NWA episode from this week, and I noticed uh, Eddie Kingston, who it'll get any cooler than Eddie Kingston, but that man constantly is like readjusting his hat, and then he wears it just like this. So then, like, I'm like, maybe that's how I should wear my hat. Like, maybe I should. How do I get to be as cool as Eddie Kingston? Speaking of which, they were on Inside the NWA. Eddie Kingston in Homicide, and uh, they were with Joe Galley, and that's what you got on, uh, what was that, Thursday? No, Friday? Friday? Thursday? Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes, yeah. Wednesday. There you go. I am prepared. Uh, Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday on the show, Eddie Kingston and Homicide joined Joe Galley, and they talked about all kinds of stuff. It was, it was a fascinating interview. So I throw to you guys with the questions, A, what did you like about that? What did you take away from it? And B, can I ever look as cool as Eddie Kingston? Uh, let me tackle that last one. Uh, no. Um, no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. You're cool in your own way, Gary. You don't need to be Eddie Kingston. You, you got your own thing going on. That I'm going to be honest with you. That sounds like some crap my mom would say when I was growing up. You're not fat. You're husky. <laughs> so, you're big bolded. It's fine. <laughs> so I, I, I loved this um, for several reasons. Number one, uh, whether it was them, you know, in kayfabe or not, I just love that no matter what, either they're real or they're real, real. Like, because they were just like, hey, we're not fake this is us. Like we do this, the story about homicide getting shot in the leg and then taping it up and wrestling a match. Like that was just, that was hardcore, man. That was just like, that's what you want in, in a wrestler. Like they know who they are and they're like, you know, we're, we're, 
these outlaws, you know, literally. And we're just, we don't care. We go in there to fight. I love, uh, I love them putting over the title um, more like everyone in the NWA does, you know, coming in there saying, Hey, you know, the goal is Nick Aldis in the world title. I mean, he's, he's the best wrestler in the world because he's got that belt. So that's, that's my goal. And then when he asked him, uh, and when Galley asked uh, Kingston, if he's, you know, can you beat him in a, in a wrestling match? He's like, yeah, who's going to, who's going to say no? What man is going to say no? Yeah, I can beat him. You know, it's just like stuff like that. It was just even more of that. We've talked about a lot before on the show, but like just that realness of like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, nobody's going to be like, well, I might can beat him, you know? So I, I really appreciated that for me. It just like, I don't know. I'm ready to see them back in the ring again after hearing that interview. So it was I fun mean, to see like the, the part of him that, that had this like, yeah, I like to fight, obviously, you know, my reputation, but then he, uh, threw in there like with when you were talking about the Nick Aldis thing the uh yeah this is about fighting that's what we come to do we fight it but we fight people who deserve it so that's why Nick Aldis like that's the point like I gotta fight him you know he's the man who supposedly like you know is treated like he's the alpha dog right so I gotta beat him up so that was cool to see them put over Nick like that also some props to Harley in the middle of that too uh yeah. talking about uh, how tough he was from Joe Galley actually he was the one that brought him up yeah true rob what'd you think um point two tackle point two and then we'll go to a for <laughs> point two yes gary you do look as cool as homicide and uh and uh uh eddie kingston so i was gonna say i wasn't going for homicide i don't know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're saying, gary you're as cool as joe galley you, you want to be on the yeah you're definitely cooler than joe galley i'll give you that so <laughs> no, I, I, uh, uh, I, I'm not knocking homicide, by the way. Can I just throw that in there? That was not a, you did. Yes, you did. My thing was, it's like, there's a difference. Like Eddie Kingston seems like cool as hell, but like homicide just looks like you, you just, He'll kill you. He'll nobody come. wants to come near homicide. him. Yeah. Yeah. Homicide will fuck you. <laughs> um, I have a lot, I, I've been following these guys, uh, for, for a long, long time, even before uh, the Billy Corgan era in NWA, I, I, uh, uh, Eddie Kingston, actually, I, I, I was there like the, the early year or two that Eddie Kingston was just getting started out. He was involved in uh, Chikara Pro up in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania with Mike Quackenbush's promotion. And he was a member of a tag team, ironically, called the Wild Cards with a guy named uh, – Mar Marciano, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Rocky. we loved him. I have pictures of my son and him going, and we made our own little wild card shirts and all that. He was, even back then, like, when we spoke the other week about when Eddie Kingston spoke, there's just this anguish in his voice. Like, he's, it's a tortured voice, and it's so compelling. And even in this hour-long interview, it's like everything he said, like talking about, like like you guys mentioned, can you beat all this? And he says, yes, you can beat them. Um even then, there's just, there's just a, a – like, he believes that. He really does believe that, you know. And then Homicide, we would follow Homicide in 3PW, which was Jasmine St. Clair's little promotion. It was more of a East Coast hardcore stuff. That was I was kind of digesting that back then. I'm not really so much into that now. But one of the things that strikes me about Kingston and Homicide is how, like, coherent they are together. And uh, I would like to have seen more discussion about – uh, and they, they, they did talk about this, but I would like to see more discussion about them in the, in the tag team title scene and, like, uh, and like scaling out uh, teams like the Wild Cards or teams like uh, 
uh, Eli Drake and James Storm because I think that uh, Homicide and, and Eddie Kingston are one of those rare breeds where this is like you don't put two megastars together and form a team. They are a team. They are really real brothers who really understand and can interpret each other. And they're going to gel like they have in the past. They're going to gel in the ring so well. And once Homicide gets healthy, uh, they're going to be a real tremendous force to be reckoned with in the tag team scene. And uh, the other thing I wanted to put over in this was just Joe Galley, man. You don't get better at interviewing than Joe Galley does. And he's out there on the streets now doing stuff, you know, for the public. But, gosh, what what a great um, – this guy's like not – this is not some canned, you know, just softball. He's asking riveting questions all throughout. And I, I could listen to Eddie Kingston and Homicide for, for five, six hours. They're amazing. Yeah, and uh, props to them, too, for uh, – you kind of hit on this, uh, but keeping that story going, too, um, you know, just as soon as Homicide gets better, like the, the plans they have. And, like, uh, they talked a lot about all this, but they did bring up the Pope and, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. Kingston's issues with him, and it's about taking him out first because he's a weasel and he's going to get involved in things until you do. But, like, you know, they're like, well – if you want to match with him and he's like, ah, oh, he's not going to step in the ring. Pope ain't going to get in the ring. You know, like it was kind of cool. Uh, just seeing them at least acknowledge the storylines that have been left dangling because of everything going on right now. So uh, I did enjoy that. Uh, anything else on inside the NWA before we move on from here, fellas? I, I just want to say like, like when, when I listen to the Pope thing and I, I like the Pope, I, I, I really do. I mean, I think he brings a lot of color to, uh, to the show but for me like the pope thing has kind of always been some of a somewhat of a distraction i understood why homicide was hurt that you had to to kind of find a way to bring to keep eddie kingston in the picture and all that but to me it's like when i think about tag teams that are believable to me i mean i certainly think that eli drake and james storm gel very well better than i expected because they're two singles megastars and and i don't normally like putting two stars together like a sting and a luger that kind of thing but the only other team out there that I really feel and believe like I do with Homicide and Kingston are the uh, them boys, you know, the Briscoe brothers. And I feel like seeing Eli Drake and James Storm go against Homicide and uh, Kingston would be like like having the Briscoes in there. They're like our Briscoes. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense or not, but they're like our version of the Briscoes, just the authenticity and the realness. No, when you said it, it like clicked in my brain. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I was like, can you imagine Homicide and Kingston versus the Briscoes? Because that wow. feels like that would be a rough match. Like that would just be like in a way that like you don't want to be in the first few rows. Like that's uh, they, they like they would like just rough each other up big time. But anyway, Will, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I mean, I just loved the the little little pieces of goodness sprinkled throughout. I mean, highlights for me uh, was when Kingston said, uh, you know, you can have your plans, but the plan changes when you get punched in the mouth. And it just gave that real fighter feel, you know, where it's like, you know, he was just like, yeah, you know, I went into my first fight and I had this big game plan. As soon as I got sucker punched, all bets were off, you know, and I was I was a fighter and um Speaking of that, by the way, that was that jujitsu gym. Sorry to cut you off. I think you were talking about the jujitsu gym. I did not know that about Eddie Kingston, but I feel like that even added an extra layer to him too. Yeah, and I just my my takeaway is I want to see more of that from from them and from everyone else. Just that that fighter mentality, and I love their throwbacks to you know old school NWA. Just paying that respect there, and 
talking about the Crockett Cup, you know, Homicide talking about how that's definitely a goal of his and he's been watching since 89 and all this stuff. And um, so, I, you know, I thought, you know, those two guys, you know, can't put them over enough. They are a great addition to the, the roster, to the team, um, for us getting to see them on a weekly basis. And just want to see more of that. I thought it was great. Totally agree. Uh, so that would be the first piece of content after the uh, Tuesday night Cardi Land discussion. For more of that, you can catch our live after show where we go in depth on Cardi Land. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe and you can get access to all of those things. Uh, we'd love to have you check out all that stuff and follow along with us as we cover these uh, deals. But uh, speaking of Cardi Land, if you're not already a Patreon, you should be because cool things happen. Like uh, this week also marked the first time we got the Cardi Land uh, council member calls. Uh, people, if you are in the, if you're a councilman or woman, council person, uh, you get, uh, is it once a month, Rob? Is that what it's supposed to be? Uh, it's, it's either once a month or bi-weekly. Yeah, and you get to talk to talent on calls. Uh, like just a Zoom chat with whoever. So uh Turns out this week, like if you've got grouped in on, uh, and I think it was like two or three people, maybe a little bit more, in a room with the, the talent. And uh, on Wednesday night, it was Eli Drake. Thursday night, it was the champ, Nick Aldis. And Friday, it was Camille, of all, of, pe all of, of all people. I was actually supposed to be on Thursday night. And uh, since the champ graced us with his presence on Tuesday night, I uh, figured I wouldn't harass him that much, so I didn't uh, stress on it and gave the wife some movie time just to watch some stuff. And uh, But, Rob, you had Friday, and you got to hang out with Camille. How was that? Oh, man, she was uh, laid back uh, as can be. Of course, you know, the uh, one of the things that I we, – we knew that – we knew that Tom Latimer loves aliens and uh, dinosaurs from some of Camille's other productions. And uh, so Camille was just kind of sharing some stuff outside of the ring, which is the kind of endearing thing, because I, I think this is where we really see how the NWA loves and respects its fans, uh, that they're interested in, in pulling back the curtains and letting you see them as real people. We see this with Thunder Rosa nearly every day. Of course, Camille does it every day also. Uh, and wrestling didn't really come up. I don't think it came up at all in any important way. Uh, we talked about uh, the new telescope that Camille bought for Tom because of the the, the, the SpaceX launch. And uh, they got that, and they were going to go watch it from the telescope. And we talked about board games, and uh, we talked about her career as a softball player and then later as a flag football player. And everybody just – it was so relaxed. And there was only – like I said, there was Tanya, my lovely wife, and myself, and then uh, Heather Hundley and Mr. Knox, all very important members of the NWA fam uh, and council members that were in this with Camille. So it was just three or four of us. And it was a very casual conversation, a lot like the one you're hearing right now between Will and Gary and I. Um, and we, they were, we were just hanging out. And, and we, we, she gave us about 30 minutes. And then, um, and then I, think she had, I think she had a call before that or maybe a call after that that she had to – to go to, but she was very, very generous and very kind and very personable, very conversant, uh, you know, uh, and we're not used to uh, hearing uh, Camille so willing to speak, but she was, she was a chatterbox, man. She was great. Very, very lovely. And uh, talk about her interest in theater. Uh, you know, that's something that's near and dear to my heart with Piper's notes and all that. So uh, if you're not a member, 
I don't know if there are, if there are council seats still available, but there are so many perks to being a, at least a Carneyland citizen that you guys need to consider that because these are kinds of these are the kinds of things that they bring to you. And this again is just another uh, way in which uh, David Lagana and Billy Corgan, William Patrick Corgan, and all of the talent of the NWA show us their appreciation and how they love and respect us as fans. Yeah, they um, you know, it's funny the. Camille has surprised me just big time besides something like just like this uh Camille uh has put out the most content like her and Thunder Rosa like kill it every single week like Camille's already got something planned for like Tuesday night uh which is like some old school Camille video but uh she's also you know like she had 15 questions with Camille that came out this week uh but last week she had like two videos dropped like she is making the most out of this quarantine time but it's pretty impressive uh, my, I think wife has already messed up one NWA shirt with the tie dye kit uh, now, so she's wearing it right now in another room. <laughs> and so, so thanks to a Camille video that happened. And uh, anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. Thanks a lot, Camille. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give the stare down for a second, see if I could look as threatening as her. Uh, Speaking of Thunder Rosa, let's talk about for a second, too. She uh, threw out some stuff this week. Uh, we kind of hit on jujitsu and uh, content creation, so that feels like a perfect combination to go into Thunder Rosa because she's put out some content, one of which was she got her blue belt uh, this – well, I, I don't know if it was exactly this week, but she put out the video this week of her getting her blue belt. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I know she was asking a lot of questions if people would – uh, I watched the premiere and she was like kind of in the chat, like saying, do people like this? Do people want to see more of this? And I was like, absolutely. I think this is part of the fun, like seeing your journey too. Uh, and just what you're pursuing in your off time. So just like those diary things for a person like me, that stuff works sometimes a lot better. Uh, stuff that can almost be treated like a podcast or stuff. I don't have to be like an exact place at an exact time that feels like it's made so that you can watch it later. Uh, but I know everybody's different, but, uh, what'd you guys think about this? You guys both watched that. I, I didn't catch it. Um, but I, I plan on it as you're saying, going back and watching it. So, um, I did watch it and, and we, we watch a lot of, my wife is absolutely in love with Thunder Rosa. My wife, by the way, the lovely, elegant Tanya Stinson is a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. And so wow. she, she is very, yeah. She's very enamored by Thunder Rosa and her MMA career and all this. And my wife's even thought about doing that. She's mostly been a point fighter. So it's not like all, you know, you know, balls to the wall. Just you're out there to eliminate somebody. It's mostly, you know, it's very precise and that kind of thing. That's what she does. But, uh, but um, people don't realize when you're in jujitsu, it's not like Taekwondo, you know, you and I could go into Taekwondo and within uh, a month or two have a second step. You don't get a blue belt in a month with jujitsu. You, you know, to achieve a black belt, you're talking about a 10 to 15 to 20 year investment. And a blue belt is, is a multi-year investment of time. And uh, Thunder Rosa spoke about how she did not know she was getting her blue belt that day because uh, in that school, uh, they expect you to do the forms and perform them in the native language. And she did not know the language, but she could do the form. 
and uh, giving all the uh, considerations about social distancing and all the limitations, she was surprised when they put her belt on her. And she had earned it, you know, no, no slide on her. She earned, she had demonstrated the skill and she, you know, said, I'm going to go back and learn the correct verbiage and all that for her. But she, uh, she had done that and that was just very inspirational. Again, and this is, this is one of the things I hate, I feel like I'm repeating myself every week, but this is one of the things that I love about the NWA is like the NWA and trying to fool anybody. This is a performance sport. This is not sports entertainment. These are real people, real athletes with a real pursuit. They're not playing a character. They're not portraying something they're not. Eddie Kingston is real. Homicide is real. Nick Aldis is real. Camille is real. And Thunder Rosa is real. And they have, they're not concerned about breaking kayfabe because there is no kayfabe. I mean, they are athletes. And, you know, and, and uh, I love this, this element of Thunder Rosa showing this achievement because let's not forget, she's not a black belt in jujitsu. She is the world's champion, though, in, in professional wrestling. And so she's, she, has met, she has reached the pinnacle in this one pursuit, and she's still pursuing the pinnacle in another. So she is someone who's continuously pursuing herself and well-rounding herself, and that is what great athletes do. She is a great athlete. My hat's off to her. I agree. Um, another thing worth mentioning is that she did also put out another shorter video, uh, which uh, we don't have to dwell on too long because I, I don't think I can, but uh, it's uh, about Hata Kimura, uh, her dedication uh, to her, basically, just that, uh, you, you know, I, I kind of slightly made a joke about it. It's, not, it's just a sad story is what I mean that I don't think I realized how close they were, uh, but she had a very sweet story about Hana and how Thunder Rosa had been in Japan and uh, injured herself or gotten a concussion, I believe it was, and uh, just got out of it. And Hana at 16 had taken care of her and like kind of was her nurse. And uh, so they had like a close relationship that uh, every time Thunder Rosa was over there, like Hana was one of her friends that she would hang out with and or talk to on a regular basis. So it kind of makes that hit hit closer to home when you think about like just I, I obviously you know like these people have these connections uh but just even seeing somebody you you sort of know like it brings it that much closer to see somebody like thunder rosa telling the story and and about this person and uh and we'll get into that a little bit more with uh the girl power episode but uh did you guys have anything else you wanted to add uh in regards to this Uh, I, you guys have to listen to the Girl Power episode, and we'll get into that in a minute. I don't want to really add commentary on to what any of these ladies said because, uh, you know, they said what they needed to say in perfect fashion. It's the message that we all need to hear, man. Bullying, and we we we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes. We have got, as a society, we have got to be charitable to one another. We have got to find a way to learn that simple maxim that we were all taught as kids that if you don't have anything good to say, just cut, keep your mouth closed. You know, people hurt. You don't know what another person's situation is. You don't know where they've been. You don't know how they feel. Mental illness is something that as a society, uh, uh, we're just not, I'm not going to say mental illness, but mental health is something that as a society, we're just really coming to be sensitive to. Uh, it's, it's, it's really getting traction these days. And, uh, you know, I, we could go on and on about this, but the bottom line is that there was a lot of great content put out this week. The most important content that was put out this week was by the women of the NWA in their multiple uh, venues. 
Um, yeah, I, go ahead. I'll, um, I'll say one thing um, related to, to what you said a second ago, Rob, about just the realness and, uh, you know, the, these are our performance athletes. Like, you know, that's one thing I've been thinking about. We touched on it a minute ago with, with Kingston and Homicide, but like, and I can't think of a, of, of a, a, a personality in the NWA that's not real. I mean, from Zicky Dice to, you know, no longer uh, part of the NWA, but Ricky Starks, who, who Gary, you've talked to a couple of times. He's the same guy when you talk to him as, as he is, you know, and it's like, you don't see that a lot. Typically you see these characters and when they do interviews, they are, are, you know, quote unquote real. And it's kind of cool to see him be real. Like, you know, the, the, the performers in the NWA, like that's who they are. And it just, it, it again, just adds that layer of believability to everything they do, you know, from, from all this, all the way to, you know, Trevor Murdoch and, and everyone, like, it's just, that, that's who they are. And I think that's a lost art in professional wrestling that went away for some reason, probably as we've talked about before, but maybe like the attitude era kind of ruined that and, and really kind of started making people have to come up with these characters that are outside of who they are you know, as a person. And that's why I feel there's just so much more authenticity to the NWA um, because of that. And so when we enter a, a period like this, you know, where pandemic hits and we can't get live uh, wrestling every week, um, the characters live on because it's who they really are, you know? So we're not losing any storyline. We're not losing any momentum on Kingston and Homicide because they're they're still obviously worried about Pope. And that's that's, it's a real thing. It's not just like, their their on-screen character like that's who they are and i think even that with thunder rosa and with um you know the the ladies from girl power and stuff like that i mean i i agree that was that if you only watched one piece of content from the nwa this week watch girl power and i really don't even know how much commentary we can add to it because my recommendation would be go listen to those ladies um tell their stories and give their commentary because we're not going to be able to do it justice but uh, yeah I just I, I love that aspect of it that even during a time like this we're getting quality content storylines aren't hurting creatives not hurting characters aren't hurting because it, it, the continuity is there and, and I just love that yeah since you kind of hit on it I guess we'll consider this the time that we also bring in girl power as a segment people should watch I mean literally my notes on the thing and we can add anything you guys want but I'll just run down my notes real quick. As I just said, there's an emotional tribute from Thunder Rosa. Uh, it was a triple threat conversation in there with uh, Allison K, Marty Bell, and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Ashley Box, Camille, and Mae Valentine all show up at some point to uh, give a few words. And, uh, and then my next notes are literally, I don't even know what to tell you about this. If you haven't seen this, watch it. That's your homework, and it's mandatory. Uh, you, you just have to watch this. And uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's what I got for it. I mean, it's, it's, you can't really, it was, I, I have no shame in saying that I DM'd every single one of these ladies that was involved in this thing and told them that I appreciated them opening themselves up like this to discuss this stuff that I can't imagine how hard it is to, to tell stories like they told and they all had a story, at least one story that got dropped in there about something personally that they've dealt with in the same realm. And, and at the end of the day, that's the part that just makes me the most bummed out about it is just like hearing that like 
oh, you all have it. I mean, it's like you kind of know, but then like when you're hearing the stories, like why is the world such a place that each one of these girls has multiple stories about this same exact thing? Like get it together, people. Like treat, yeah, it's, treat it's people this, with respect. It's just like, it's this tension between like, uh, I don't want to know about this and like this has to be told um, because the realities of these stories need to enter into the universe so that people can process it and that they can change and that um, you know we can we can acknowledge you know what needs to be done as a society so uh, you know there's there's again nothing I can add to it and the most uh, glaring um, not glaring, but the most, you know, positive reaction we as recapping content can give is just go watch it. Go listen to it. Like that's, that's all we can really say. Um, just some, just some, some, a little bit of insight too. And again, this doesn't have any bearing on anything, but uh, uh, Camille did reveal to us in our talent call that she was invited to be on the, the, the three-way call with Thunder Rosa and uh, Allison Kay and Marty and, and all them. And she told us in our, in our little group session that she just, it was, it was too emotional of a, of a moment for her that she is very protective of how she is perceived and this and that. She's, she wanted to do something under a much more controlled um, setting that she could then, you know, release and, 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 and contribute that way. But she was invited to be on that call. And I imagine many of the other women of the NWA were too. It's interesting to hear that. Yeah. Um, and, and Camille's segment of it, it was kind of interesting to see her uh, approach it in this way that obviously she's still emotional in the situation, but she, she even mentions like, this is not Camille talking to you. This is Kaylee. Like I'm yeah. just I'm talking to you as a human being, like a person. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, for all the stuff we talked about, the mixture of like, there's no real kayfabe. It was like her being very clear, like I'm coming at you from a really vulnerable, real place right now. And uh, so it was still interesting to see her do that. I mean, Camille for, you know, she, she dropped in there that some of the issues that she's dealt with, but um, it's, it's amazing to see how far she's come along too with, uh, you know, I've seen Camille. Camille has no problem. Like, her and Allison Kay seem to be the ones I've seen do it the most. Like they will just bring that crap right to the forefront, to like just like post it up and like here's some here's some trash somebody's saying. And oh like, yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, if you put this, if you if you post this in my, or you send this in my DMs, I'm gonna post it. Yeah, they 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 have no problem doing that. <laughs> yeah. We tried uh, to. We were gonna approach her about Piper's mess. Was like, you know what, man? Ain't no way in the world I'm going into her DMs. <laughs> Ain't no way. <laughs> uh, she's a, she's a good girl. She's I mean, a nice a nice person is what I mean. And and like, uh, but it's it is funny how like everybody's got this different way to handle it. Thunder Rose has been straight out on her videos before. She's like, uh, I've seen her say like, if you drop some stuff in my DMs, there's a good chance my husband's reading it too he handles a lot of my social media so just fyi if you're yeah. sending some stuff over you might be sending it to my hub husband so uh <laughs> it just uh it's an interesting way to put it. so uh keep it in your pants that's what i'm saying people stop it stop it um jay-z Blair had uh nick aldis on the show uh i have not personally had a chance to listen to it but i think it's worth mentioning because uh we haven't talked much about jay-z flair uh and the jay-z flair show 
on here, the Bojangles champ, but uh, he deserves a shout out. He's definitely a member of the NWA community. So I just wanted to throw it in there. Um, have you have you guys listened to his show? Are you familiar with Jay-Z Flair? Will, or do you know him at all? Yeah, I regularly listen to his show. I love him. Yeah, well, he's the chicken champ. You got to check him out. He, he is he is worth a follow, by the way, on, on Twitter and everywhere, just uh, because he is a very positive individual. And uh, guys like him and, and – uh, like Turbo, uh, those guys on, on Twitter, I enjoy following them just for the content they put out just on Twitter, just the positivity that they bring out every, every week uh, just keeps me in the right headspace sometimes. So uh, shout out to those folks. Um, it, it, man, and, and Will, if you, are, do, you, are you, do you follow uh, Jay-Z Flair, Bojangles champion? I do. Uh, I do, yeah. Thing? I just haven't listened to the oldest. Uh, man, he's got a – he's got a uh, – an amazing collection of title belts that he often uh, has his wife display. And it's amazing. I, I look forward to those posts all the time, man. They're, they're, they're amazing. They're a great family. And uh, just, again, just super positive, uh, just like Turbo is. And they're, you know, we, that, and that characterizes uh, a lot of people in the NWA family. I think the guys like Frank Mandolini and, and uh, other people that are always, always pushing positivity and, and uh, putting out good stuff. Um, Will, you, uh, we're going to get to some new stuff from you, so don't think I've forgotten about you. I don't want you to think that. Uh, but let's, uh, let's hit on Billy Corgan uh, just did some more positivity. He dropped uh, an Instagram video where he did a deep dive. It's 29 years old, his album, and here's where we're going to have some words, Robert, because I'm not sure how this works. I have always called it Gish. Is it Gish? Is that how it's pronounced? It sounded like you said I Gish earlier off camera. I say gish. I say gish. It oh, maybe, maybe I. Yeah, I say gish. Oh, I thought uh, you called it gish earlier, and I was like, have I, I been saying it wrong yeah, for ever? I might have had. I might have had. Uh, <laughs> you know, some. Uh, <laughs> 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 might have had some ice in my mouth, you know. But it's. I think it's pronounced gish. Okay. All right. All right. So gish, the very first Smashing Pumpkins album, came out 29 years ago this week and uh or this past week and uh billy corgan agreed to do a deep dive as part of one of his uh, that man by the way as far as busy people doing good content that guy's been having q a's regularly uh interacting with people he had a mental health health discussion with thunder rosa on his instagram stories and uh uh doing it live for everybody um but he also goes into a deep dive with gish i personally have not heard it yet but i'm very much looking forward to it because of the 29th anniversary i've been listening to the album all this week so it'll be cool to uh to hear but uh hopefully i'm hoping robert if you've seen it maybe you know better but uh i'm hoping everybody was nice i've heard good reports but uh billy corgan is another person who suffers no fools uh he gets very short with anybody being a troll or being a smart ass and so he's just kind of done with you and so everybody kept asking about like when is this one gonna happen when is this one gonna gonna happen he's like let's see if i if i'm okay with how the first one goes and then we'll talk about another one so uh hopefully hopefully it went well for mr corgan it, it seemed to go well um i had it playing I, i'm doing some work in our uh in the studios of piper's notes here and uh, i had it playing in the background and it, it's i didn't you know, I mean, I wasn't listening carefully. I, I, I was listening to, to 
because I really love the Smashing Pumpkins and I love, that's one of my favorite albums. And so it was interesting to hear it, but I, I thought it was pretty good. I'd love to see him do uh, a Pisces Iscariot uh, uh, deep dive and also Melancholy. I'd love to see that one. Uh, so I hope it's something he continues. The, um, Will, do you want to do your news segment here? Will's got some uh, breaking well, news. Yeah, or not breaking news. We kind of skipped over the uh, Eli Drake show. I don't know. If I was going to, I have it here. I'm just marking stuff off. We'll go to the Eli Drake show. Let's talk about the Eli Drake show. The OCD in me, I was like, wait a minute, we skipped a day. Well, we went into girl power because the conversation about Thunder Rosa went into girl power. The conversation about Thunder Rosa happened because Kingston mentioned jujitsu. And then we were talking about Camille and her content that it felt like Thunder Rosa. Naturally, that's how I mapped it in my brain which drove us right around Eli Drake. But we'll go back on uh, May the 28th, uh, Eli Drake show number two dropped. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, uh, he told, I, I did appreciate his one story that he told up top about how he uh, went like an hour into episode one and realized that his uh, mic was unplugged the entire time. I have been uh, there. So that, that jumped out to me too. And I was, I was watching on my phone and I, I started laughing and, and my wife asked me what it was and I told her the story. It, it's funny to us as podcasters because we understand that, but it was really funny to me because I actually had that thought as I was watching last week. I was like, man, that is not like a really good mic apparently, but it wasn't even plugged wow. in um, for certain segments, I guess. But like, um, I, and actually the first time I was on here with you, Gary, for the uh, NWA Power Recap, uh, I was super proud and I had my mic here and I was like, man, I'm going to use this mic finally. And uh, we went that whole thing. And then I, wa I went back and watched some of it the next day. And I was like, that it wasn't even plugged in. It was not even like, it wasn't even turned on. And like, it, I just, I, it was just going through my computer speakers. And I was like, oh man, like what a waste. So that, I, that was really funny to me. But the one part that of that, that I, the reason I wanted to go back and talk about that is because um I feel like a lot of his discussions can launch us into some discussions about some wrestling things, which I really appreciated. Rob, I think he heard you last week, stick to wrestling. He did get a little political, but we don't have to talk about that. But, um, I was but gonna say, he, he had a Trump uh, rant, but it was, it was brief. Yeah. We don't, have to, we don't have to talk about that, but no, let's um, focus in. so no, I'm just <laughs> okay. So no, um, but he mentioned um, the, the tweet from Brian Pillman jr saying that he believes that wrestling now is better um, and that we often remember wrestling from back in the day with rose-colored glasses because of, you know, the nostalgia or the historical aspect of it. And I wanted to get you guys' take, the three of us as kind of lifelong students of the art of professional wrestling, your thoughts on Pillman's comment and then, you know, Eli's, reaction to that which was um which was strange because he even mentioned you know i want to agree with that because i am a wrestler now and i would love to think that what we do now is much better um but i don't think he went so far as to agree with him so what, what were you guys thoughts on on that whole idea and that tweet from from brian pillman i i heard that same thing and that's actually in my notes too and it, my thought is um you know, Pillman is young. He's young, and and I, I imagine being a second generation star, he is he's well conversant, and he's probably school educated on wrestling. 
but wrestling is very monolithic. It's a lot like politics and, and other major entities, football uh, or baseball or whatever. I don't think that, I don't think that professional wrestling is better because I think that in some ways there have been parts of pro wrestling that have always been pure. And in any world, uh, if you go back to, you can go back to the 1980s, I really first started getting aware of pro wrestling in like 1980, 1981. This is when I was just getting young enough to listen to Gordon Soley. But even at that young age, there were there was a, a lot of wrestling out there, a lot of, you know, different promotions. Those were the territories now. So, uh, you know, but you had territories that were, were killing it and territories that were just silly. And for me, you know, I always, even as a kid, I always viewed as uh, the WWF and, and, uh, Gary's going to have a different opinion on this because he was raised differently and had was exposed to wrestling in a different way. I always viewed WWF as a caricature. It's not, not real wrestling. And so I felt like back then you had really good wrestling and then you didn't. And then even during the wilderness years, uh, I tweeted something last night or today, I can't remember, but about uh, Dan, Reverend Dan Wilson, who was a, he was a, a, a pretty J. Cal will know who Dan Wilson is. You guys may not, but he, he was a guy that was big in like the NWA anarchy days during the wilderness years. And even though you didn't have a lot of mainstream appeal, that was a very vibrant time. And there was a lot of really good wrestling going on. And some of the best stuff was going on in like NWA Atlanta, NWA Chattanooga. Whereas, you know, you had this really this scourge, this black spot going on with like the Attitude Era and ECW and stuff like that. And so I guess my response is that there are, there are parts of wrestling now that are as good as it's ever been, and I think primarily the NWA. And then I think there are parts that are atrocious, but it's always been that way. Wrestling is big, and, and you paint with multiple uh, – you paint with a full spectrum. And, and uh, in any era, even going back to the Luthes and the, uh, the human orchid era of Gorgeous George, you had really good wrestling and really bad wrestling. So – I hear what he's saying, and I think that, that he was trying to point to uh, things like going on in Impact and Ring of Honor and the NWA especially as being really, really recovering something that was lost. But honestly, uh, and again, I, I defer to J.Cal on this. He will tell you none of that was ever lost. That, that, that really sound, pure wrestling has never ceased, and, it, and we're just seeing it reemerge now and getting some real, really good exposure. That is, I think is go, – go ahead, well, sir. I think as a young guy, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I can imagine, you know, of course, his dad uh, wrestled, which, by the way, last night I was watching Clash of the Champions 10. And I just have to say that Flying Brian Pillman and the Z-Man were the best-looking tag, most handsome tag team I think I've ever seen. Like, when they came out for some reason, I was just like, oh, wow, you know. And it <laughs> yeah. was, uh, Tell us know. more, Will. Well, I can't, as my wife knows. <laughs> no. When those oils and creases was just bubbling up on them, they was. <laughs> they had every muscle you could have. Like, every muscle you could possibly have, they had it, and you could see it. Like, it was, it was crazy. Um, but anyways, so, so Flying Brian Jr., definitely a young guy. And, and you can imagine, you know, if, if you grew up and you primarily had WWE, as you know mainstream wrestling um and i'm sure he's he's watched some other stuff but and then you enter into now where you've got multiple players aew ring of honor nwa obviously um yeah i can see why you would say 
what he said. And, and if that's your style, uh, the kind of high flying um, stuff. And so I get where he's coming from. I think uh, I, I really agree with Eli's response, which was he would like to think that it's more athletic now than it was 30 years ago, but there's a lot of lost arts like selling. I really, really agreed with what he talked about, about people not selling nowadays and how that's atrocious. Um, kicking out of multiple finishers, things like that. That was stuff that was unheard of, you know, back in the day. And so that's something that I think needs to be, you know, uh, put back into professional wrestling culture, that, that reverence for finishing moves, that, uh, the selling um, that, you know, used to take place and, you know, you go watch anything pre attitude era and you'll see people actually selling stuff and it's, it kind of blows your mind. Like that's, that's how I feel when I go watch that old like NWA WCW stuff is just like Ric Flair was, you know, world's champ and was selling every, every punch, you know, and, and you don't see that a lot of times nowadays. So um, I don't know, Gary, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say that, I mean, I'm glad you brought up Eli's point of view on that because it's it's so funny to me. Like, you guys handled this, especially you, Rob, in such a diplomatic fashion, like way nicer than I expected you to uh, sound on that. I expected Rob to be a bad cop on this. So if he's not going to do it, I guess I will. No, I don't think it's better now than it was then. I don't. Uh, I think that if you're talking about the athletic skill of the people involved, then by all means, sure. Wrestling right now is better than it ever has been. People could do some crazy ass stuff that nobody back then would even think about doing. Like there's no way they would have ever comprehended it. Now I will say I softened a bit hearing Rob talk about it because Rob did uh, mention that, that the art has not technically been lost. It just got kind of covered up a little bit. So that makes sense. Um, because I was going to say, you mentioned my love of WWF, WWE, and like growing up in that, but aside from my like early years up until about like 12 or 13 of just thinking the ultimate warrior was the greatest wrestler that ever existed. Uh, I, uh, you know, that was like the furthest I ever got into that realm. After that, it was always guys like Brett the Hitman Hart and Mr. Perfect and uh, those kind of wrestlers that I thought were the best wrestlers. And Shawn Michaels was in there and and that sort of thing. Like I loved uh, people that looked like they were actually really, really good wrestlers, like that they legitimately knew what they were doing and there was some kind of specialness about their skill like that they had that like, these were top athletes. And uh, so even though WWE slash F is absolutely a cartoon compared to what NWA was, uh, those guys seem like they could have been dropped into NWA and functioned perfectly fine. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I didn't feel that way about like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, I, you know, I, I've grown to respect what he was to the business, but I never liked him. I never liked Hulk Hogan. I always thought he was a joke. I, I was not a, a, ever a Hulkamaniac. I didn't care. And I hoped Macho Man would kill him. Uh, but the, uh, anyway, all that out of the way. I mean, the thing is, is I, I think you kind of covered uh, most everything I would say about it that, that like, I know he's a, uh, uh, you know, a, a 
polarizing figure to bring up, but Jim Cornette, I think that in, in the middle of all of his rage, like he, he actually makes some valid points and some valid criticism sometimes when it comes to wrestling that I actually do agree with. I watched Stadium Stampede, for instance, and I was not mad. I didn't get angry about that match. I didn't hate the world or anything. And I definitely didn't rant like the one he just ranted on that I listened to the other day on his podcast. But I think that it does look like it. It's weird that a guy like Jericho is involved with that um, to me because he he apparently heard Cornette's reaction. And he, he mentioned on some interview I saw where he said that, uh, yeah, Corny, well, you know, he booked me in this segment where I used to, like, his face on a cake or something. He, like, I slammed his face in a cake. And and Corey was like, okay, yeah, but people believe that's what you would have done because I was an asshole. And, like, you slammed my face down. And uh, it made sense in the storyline. Uh, I, I have trouble reconciling what I saw at Stadium Stampede and, like, how you could – like what I don't I don't want to hate on those guys, but I'd get people that are especially more invested in the business as it was having a huge problem with that because how do you make that work logically? Like how does something like that stuff happens and then you want us to take a main event title match seriously? I know that you're supposed to be able to work it out that it's all the show and stuff like that. But even in the show, like I feel like in movies, even if I'm watching like a horror movie and there's a haunted house movie, when the ghost takes a cab to uh, Las Vegas and is like running around a casino when he was supposed to be haunting the house. I know it's a weird analogy. My point is, it's like you're supposed to have rules and you're supposed to have a set universe that this is occurring in. And there's a, there's a logical set up within that constructed universe and now you're like well yeah that exists but also this exists and it just seems stupid and yeah uh so anyway i'm gonna i could rant all day or ramble all day about it but my point is is that i think that wrestling back in the day dude we watched them we watched i just i was on uh rj show that i haven't mentioned yet but i throw out there i'll be on there wednesday uh but we recorded we rewatched the great american bass bash match that i think we all watched on cast but we watched the great american bash where it ended in sting versus flair and sting won the world title that's real like that crowd reaction that stuff is real and that's those crowd reactions we've seen on those old nwa pay-per-views and like the starcades and the great american bash man that's not anything i've seen recently that's not anything i've seen in a long time those people were invested in a fight they were that's better. That's better than when you make them care about it and you make it feel like you, if everybody's going to suspend their disbelief, there's like letting people suspend their disbelief and there's just like telling people to suspend their disbelief and kicking them over a ledge. Like it's like, it's just, it's a yeah. different thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think um, AEW too represents Will with his question, uh, with Pillman's quite, uh, with, with the whole point about something being lost. I think AEW, first of all, let me say one point A. There's lots of really great talent in the WWF that really represents some of the best technical wrestling from Bret Hart to Ricky Steamboat to Mike Rotunda to even Barry Windham went through there to uh, Randy Savage, uh, uh, Mr. 
the perfect. There was some great talent. So I, no shade on that at all. I'm talking about, I'm painting in a really broad brush about sort of the cartoonish nature, the marketing to kids that you didn't see so much in the NWA during the Crockett days. Point two, uh, the AEW, I think, is sort of a microcosm of that question. It represents and it contains within one entity, I suppose, the best and the worst of wrestling today. You've got some really, really great stuff going on, man. I think of, like, Hikaru Shida and winning the women's title, man. That is so amazing. She, what a great match. I think of uh, Cody Rhodes and the stuff he's doing. I love – I'm a huge mark for Brody Lee, man. I love that guy. I think that he's been just waiting to, to be used properly. And, and then there are other things that are <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum. Um, but and my, point, my, my third point, the art of selling, let's not forget, one of the worst sellers ever was Bruiser Brody and Carlos Colon. Those guys were notorious for no selling. And there's a very legendary match between Bruiser Brody and uh, Lance Luger where Lex Luger would do this and that, and Brody was no-selling it. He, he would do that. That wasn't the only time. Um, and um, uh, speaking about selling, you want to talk about the art of selling today? You look at Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis. You look at how many people that Nick Aldis tapped out in an age where nobody taps out anymore. We don't have the, – the submission hold is not a thing. The, the sleeper hold is not a thing. But how many times did he tap someone out with the, uh, the Kings Lynn Cloverleaf Thurm with Aldis Crusade? So, you know, you've got all these things. And, and Eli Drake and Brian coming again, I, again, they, they are conversant. They're knowledgeable about the sport. But they're younger guys. And, and obviously, uh, with the amount of stuff out there, they're not going to know everything. But I guess my position would be that wrestling, more or less, it's kind of like a bell curve. It more or less stays the same over time. You have to be discriminant about where the good stuff and the bad stuff is. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, when you talk about things like, stadium stampede and and stuff like that i mean to me i I don't have a problem with the match um and and it's entertaining and that's what it's meant to be so it accomplishes its purpose i think my problem and a lot of a lot of like uh pure wrestling fans their problem is the fact that it was the main event of the night um it was put over as like the greatest thing that aew did at double or nothing and you know it wasn't even really a wrestling match and you talk about great american bash i mean you know wrestling should culminate in a world title match and i've always had a problem with the fact that uh there'd be a world title match like there was between john moxley and and brody king and that not be the main event um you know like that to me that's where the disconnect is and it's like if they had done the stadium stampede in the middle of the show or started the show off with it or something like that as as a gimmick match i mean gimmick matches are not new i mean those those happened 30 years ago as well even outside the ring i mean uh, i was just looking it up to make sure i got it right but i mean you know the the first one i remember was 95 when dustin Rhodes and um i think it was blacktop i forget his name um, but they had a bit do a, yeah, black tie bully, and yeah, and they had a a a match in the trailer of a truck. I remember like that. driving down the road, the keep yeah. the road, yeah. you know. I and I I went back and watched that a year or two ago, and it was just insane. I mean, they had cameras on this truck, like driving down on a, a you know back road, and it was just crazy. So I mean, this stuff isn't new. Like trying to think outside the box and be entertaining, but th- that was not the main event of the night, and it was not the main attraction. And it, it felt like AEW build that stadium stampede as the main attraction, and it probably shouldn't have been from a pure wrestling standpoint. 
it's, it's kind of interesting because like as you guys talk about it like i soften more and more and like i'm probably a hypocrite because like i could look all day and say like uh cinematic matches are crap but at the same time i i was kind of down with the aj styles undertaker match at wrestlemania i didn't hate that i thought that was kind of fun and uh and, again, and, and though, that was, was again that was the last match of the night though like yeah it, it, it's, it wasn't shouldn't have been the main event you know you could twist my arm and if it meant that it, you got a another undertaker match or two out of it then i might be okay with it and if it was like it gets you undertaker versus sting one day like stuff like that i'm like all right fine i'll take it they they at least met but uh i don't know maybe that is it maybe maybe it's that it feels like the focus is going solely on to that because you're right there there's always been stuff i mean freaking undertakers made lightning shoot down from the ring and Kane's, you know makes fire come out of the turnbuckles and stuff like that so it's uh it's weird uh wrestling's it's always had some funky stuff the, it's a situation where you're the biggest star in the company is undoubtedly chris jericho i mean he's the one like there are a lot of great talent in that company but but chris jericho more than anybody is the one that like everybody who's not even into wrestling they know who he is he's the hogan he's the stink stone cold steve austin so this is a situation where the company is still trying to uh, jericho is still drawing that main event status and so they've got to find a way to put him in there and that, and again like will was saying this is not new they built whole pay-per-views around stuff like that like war games you know war games you'd have belts defended at war games but the war games match the gimmick match was it and, You've been like, uh, you know, uh, Survivor Series with, and Royal. I mean, those are all gimmicks in, in a way. I, I, I think, think those, though, at least look like people were trying to kill each other. Not, I should stop saying kill each other, but they're they're trying to actually fight and win. Yeah, and yeah. This has like Matt Hardy getting dumped underwater and coming up as different versions of himself throughout history. No, no, I'm with you, man. Yeah, that, I, I, that, and that's where I have been to, like, the cartoonishness that I don't like. I, I don't I, – I wasn't a fan of the Stampede match. I guess my interpretation is what they're trying to do with their company and their fan base is that, you know, if you ever watch Chris Jericho come out, I don't care if he's a heel or not. That joker still called Le Champion, you know. He is over like Rover. This joker is big time. When he comes out – Everybody sings, even the freaking locker room sings. And so they they have to, right now, whether you like it or not, I mean, the main, I agree with Will, the world title match should be the main event, always. Except, but in this case, Chris Jericho is the most over person. And so they're they're putting him into the main event some, hey, somehow, some way. Well, Will, you, you, know? you set the thing off. I mean, you good job with you, because now we're in it. Now we're having a discussion. But uh, so props <laughs> to Will for that. But uh no, I was going to – my other thing I would add to that is that the uh, – one thing I think is irritating for some people, we hear about all the time with, like, the people that came back for it, stuff like NWA that haven't been watching for forever. Well, AEW tried to present themselves as this uh, alternative. And, and, again, everything I'm saying here, I'm not mad. Like, I'm not fired up about it. Like, I like AEW fine. Like, I, I'm not one of the people that hates it. Uh there are people there that I really, really dig. And I will take like a Cody Rhodes match over a stadium stampede match any day of the week though. That's just how I lean. But, uh, you know, there was this promise to the sports sports based alternative, you know, that's the thing you you'll keep seeing from like WWE, but now it sounds like 
it almost feels like they fell into the trap of the WWE, like all of the stuff that people kind of hated about WWE that they were like, oh God, you know, that at least it was like, well, here's the 24-7 title or here's the hardcore title that could happen at any time, you know, whatever. At least this is happening earlier on in the show, like Will said, but now like the main event of the show is one of these comedy segments. And it's, uh, I, I can see why people are frustrated. I can see why it's irritating. Again, I watched it. I was. I was fine. I was like, there were funny spots and it was cool, but it was also like, did I have any emotional investment in it? No, not at all. And I mean, I I watched the whole event except for the stadium stampede after the Moxley match, which was an incredible match, great wrestling match, wonderful story was told, great finish and, and some over the top spots, you know, them going through the ramp. I mean, that was, you know, not your, your traditional, you know, pro wrestling stuff. Um, but as far as I was concerned, the event was over after that. And I, I, I really didn't have any like preconceived notions as to what the stadium stampede was. I just knew that there were really not, not any real stakes to that match. It was going to, I knew it was going to be a crazy spot fest, which is fine. People, there are people that love that and I don't hate on them for loving that. If that's your thing, like, great for me, it's not for me. I want to see that world title fight. And then, and then I'm checking out, um, not that I don't care about anything else, but I love the lead up. I love the traditional, we're going to start here with some grudge matches. We're going to have some, you know, showcase matches of, of stuff that you're interested in. We're going to have some mid-card titles, some tag team stuff. And then it's all going to culminate in the prize fight for the big, you know, the big, the whole big cheese, you know, the world title. And then after that, like that, that should be your biggest pop of the night. And we talked about that even with, with Nick on uh listen to, I just call him Nick. We're on a first name basis now. No, yeah, well, the yeah. champ, the national <laughs> treasure, Nick Aldis on Tuesday, you know, that the title should and and will remain the most important thing in the promotion, the world's title. And so if that's being defended, there's no, like, logically, you just cannot convince me that something else should be after that on the card, you know? And that that's just where I come from. And so we, for uh, me, and, and to me. I, there. Uh, we, I think we all share the same opinion on that. I just, we, we have to remember that, Want all of the title matches that they did give us were all quality, and the AEW is like a first cousin to the NWA, whereas the WWE is like related by marriage twice removed. You know what I mean? They're much closer to us than the WWE is. And yeah, Stadium Stampede, I'm with you, man. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the the attraction. It shouldn't be. But I, th- I think that's like the fighting like brothers though thing too. It's like you're like, yeah. oh, this was the boy that's supposed to be closest and. Now you're you're pulling some garbage, but it's not to say. And sorry to cut you off, Rob, but it's not. It's also not to say the NWA doesn't do some stuff. I mean, Mongrovia. Come on now, back up. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You're talking about Mama Storm now, or are we just <laughs> not on this episode? <laughs> Mama Storm, I'm with you. Yeah, don't be, don't be, don't be going. I would, the, I would insane. never. I would never have anything come out of me negative about Mama Storm. That would not happen. Danny Deal's Mama Storm was atrocious. That's garbage. <laughs> I agree. That's a disgrace. <laughs> to, to Who is, in my opinion, the first lady of the NWA. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hey, Rob, you've got uh, Nikita Koloff on Piper's notes this week. Yes, yes. Well, he, he will. We recorded with him this week. We'll, we've got 
we're several weeks in post-production. So we've got, you know, this will probably reach the air here in a, in a eight or nine weeks from now. <laughs> Actually, oh. this week we're going to have here. Dan, Danny Jordan's coming out this week on Friday, uh, which is oh, a great nice. one. But, uh, but we did, but my conversation with, with uh, Nikita is fresh on my mind because we just had, I think it was uh, Monday night or Tuesday night. I can't quite remember. Might have been Tuesday night after Carney Land and before, right before we actually it was Tuesday. We had Carney Land, then we did Nikita, and then we uh, did our post show. Uh, so um, yeah, it was great, man. Very gracious. A uh, lot of insight into him. He's a very spiritual person, and, and a lot of that's going to come out in and uh, in this. And and we are too in our household. I'm not ashamed of that. Um, we uh, react to DC Talks Jesus Freak, and but we get a lot of uh, background, like uh, we like. I don't know if you guys are follow the band DC Talk or Toby Mac or any of those in, in, in Christian rock. They're a pretty big deal. I and believe I told you guys. earlier about my religious background, Rob. Yeah. So <laughs> if you think that I got through there without some uh, third day in DC Talk and uh, all of that stuff, then my youngest daughter's name. My youngest daughter's name Petra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think I asked you like dead on like early on in our friendship i was like is your daughter named after that christian rock band my first cd that i ever bought my first compact disc was was a petra cd my my wife has my wife had no clue who petra was my wife was not raised in the same context that i was but your uh, child or the band she has since become a Petra fan since that because because of Petra. She's like, I want to hear this Petra band. I mean, you know, so it's purely sentimental for her. But uh, Nikita was great, and we do delve in. You know, one of the things that uh, for for people who've not yet listened to Piper's notes, one of the things that we want to do with with our show. Uh, obviously, I'm very passionate about wrestling. I love it, but uh, you know, it, it, these talent uh, personalities they get on these interviews and they go through the same ritual and routine time after time after time. And, and if you listen to the Hannibal TV uh, interview with uh, Nikita Koloff, you're going to know his story. He's going to talk a lot about who he went to school with and, and uh, him discovering Animal and, and some of the tragedy he went through with his wife and Magnum T. A lot of people don't realize that Nikita and I are actually related. My, uh, my, uh, Mandy, his, uh, his deceased wife, uh, her, her brother is my father-in-law. So we're related by marriage to Nikita Koloff. Her, uh, Mandy's brother is Bo, who's my father-in-law, uh, Tanya's uh, stepdad, actually. Uh, and so that, that's a, a fam familial connection we share. But, um, you know, you, you go through his tragedies and his, his best of seven series with Magnum TA. In, in, our, in our interviews, we don't really like to go that way because I think people can get that in other sources. We want to get into their them being human beings and like where their cultural interests are because this is where piper's at in her life you know what's their what's on their ipod right now do they who would they want to be if they could be anybody in a broadway musical what board game is their favorite that kind of thing so we're going to get into a lot of that and then we of course we give uh nikita time to share his personal testimony and and uh he that's his mission and that's that's great and and, and we let him share that on our show and it's just a wonderful discussion and we can't wait for that to come out but this friday will be Danny Jordan, which was another one of my favorite episodes yet. She was awesome and very, very uh, hospitable to us as best a mean girl can be. And uh, so look forward to that coming out on Friday. Yeah, uh, Danny Jordan, like right when you said that, I, I got excited. Danny Jordan is uh, uh, one of my favorite interviews that I've gotten to do. Like I've, I've, I really enjoy talking to her. She was, she was a lot of fun and she's got uh, cool stories, it seems like. So I'm excited to see her and Piper interact. 
So that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. I, I skipped right over, and I'm sorry, I, I could I feel Will being irritated with me, like off camera. I'm just irritated because your camera's suddenly so blurry again. I don't know what, why. What happened, what is, man? I and I know. can't tell, I can never tell if it's your camera or if like, I just get like two drinks into this and I'm like, just put a picture of Jennifer up, man. Just put a picture of Jennifer up and that'd be sufficient. I could do that. I mean, there's me and Jennifer right there. Leave it like that. We'll just leave it like that. There's a, <laughs> there we are. Oh God. No, be nicer to you now. Don't let's, let's not hurt the people. They want this, not that. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, do I look better now? Do I look clearer? Yeah, you do. You look, you look, uh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to say about the Eli Drake thing. I skipped right over this cause we got caught up in that other conversation, but I, I did like his story about Don Callis, like how, blunt he was about that story about uh how he felt wronged by this guy and then it's just fun to hear i guess even a big tough wrestler have those same regrets of like oh man if i had that to do over again i would have uh, you know like and uh, he just wishes he would have pie-faced on callus like when he reached out to shake his hand or whatever and uh, i just thought that was interesting to me um also, he, he did tell some Carney stories in there and, and had the, the whole part about, like, when he first started out, not knowing what to ask for. I thought that was, like, probably the most useful bit of information uh, in, the, in the whole uh, show was just, like, him talking about when he would show up at a wrestling show and just stand around and just think that something would get offered to him, maybe. Maybe they'd be like, hey, do you want to work for us or whatever? Because he didn't know how to you know, go up and just say what he wanted. And, uh, and that that was part of what he had to learn was like, you, you've got to go ahead and make yourself known and put yourself out there and uh, push yourself in the door, basically. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting stuff. Um, the only other thing I got that I wanted to hit on is that uh, we'll get to some more breaking news with Will, maybe. Actually, let's just go do that because I'll save one of these for uh, putting it over segment uh well what else you got buddy breaking news like five days ago but now this is the uh this is just kind of the weekly roundup so i didn't I was gonna say, um, this is what happens when there's no hey it's will daily I, yeah and i you know i apologize to both of the regular watchers of that show that i didn't put out daily content but uh you know we all have weeks that we we just need to chill and rest a little bit there's a lot going on this week and uh so you know Thank you guys for understanding. I'll be back at it next week. But I did have a few uh, news stories from just around the wrestling world that I figured we could just kind of a quick hit, get some reactions to and uh, stuff just worth mentioning. Um, so first of all, uh, we have uh, Deanna Perrazzo. Are you guys familiar? Have you guys seen her um, with Women of Honor? And she was in NXT for a while. Um, yeah. But she is... Um, going to be part of the next round of impact taping so she's not under contract but she's kind of on a per appearance a per appearance uh basis and she's i i love deanna perrazzo i think i mean i'd love to have her in nwa i think she'd be a great fit but uh i'm just glad that she's landed somewhere after being released um from wwe i think her non-compete ended on may 22nd so she was able to um explore other options at that point so i i hope it works out for her and and impact or wherever she ends up. I just hope wherever she ends up, she's utilized because she was, when I first got into Ring of Honor, which was kind of my first venture away from WWE, the mainstream, you know, wrestling uh, that eventually led me here to the NWA ultimately. But um, 
she was very much a fixture in the women's division there. And I just, she was kind of one of the first that showed me what like real women's wrestling could look like. Um, and so I'm, I'm a big uh, Deanna fan. And so I hope, I hope she um, does well over there. I don't know if you guys have heard that or if you had any reactions to that. No, nothing? I heard that. <laughs> I'd heard that. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard that. Go ahead, Gary. No, 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 you go ahead. I mean, I don't, I don't really have much to add to it. I know, um, I know who she is, but I was never like really invested in her career. Like, I mean, not like I have anything against her. I just, uh, have not seen much out of her and I don't watch impact. So, uh, it's pretty worthless news from Will, in my opinion. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I slave at the news desk all day watching the ticker to try to bring you useful news. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm also kidding. I, I'm, I'm happy for it. At least it's good to, I mean, the, the definite good part is, is that they're, the wrestling business is in such a place that people have other opportunities besides uh, WWE. And so there are places for these talents to go to. So right. and just, that's what and just I can on say a, for that. On a personal level and for some storyline continuity from, uh, hey, it's Will Daily a couple weeks ago. One of the things I talked about was kind of this dark cloud over wrestling right now, which was the Black Wednesday where 30, you know, uh, 30 people were released from WWE. And it's just kind of a, a black mark on professional wrestling as a whole. And so one of my things right now, just for the overall uh, morale of professional wrestling, is I, I really just can't wait to see all these people land somewhere um, just because they're all worth wild talent and um so i love seeing her land where she landed um the you know ftr they debuted on aew this week which was really cool um so they've kind of landed there and so i I just i'm going to continue to celebrate wherever these uh you know wwe um former wwe talents end up because i think that's important just to the wrestling community that they all find a spot and can shine somewhere so thought that was definitely worth mentioning but Eli Drake you ever heard of him Gary you know who I'm talking yeah, about it sounds familiar yeah so 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 he's gonna be he's gonna be on a video game and uh he's gonna be joining uh the we talked about it on Tuesday the virtual basement the independent uh video game company that's making uh, a wrestling game he has signed on to be part of that so we'll have digital Eli Drake in video game form which is kind of cool Zicky like Dias that. Also hey, Danny Jordan's going to be on that also. She and, is. Uh, and uh, Zicky Dias, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and American Kaiju, Lindsay Snow is going to yeah. be on that one. All these right, people are people. Her, yeah, all of these people have uh, appeared in NWA. I will say what was funny or what was interesting to me, um, I uh, just finished recording an episode of the NWA Rewind. Yes, that's coming back. But um, Masked Fan is a gamer. And um, we were having a discussion about uh, just because in the episode we were reviewing, you obviously had the retro mania wrestling from Retrosoft studios in there. And um, he had made a comment that he was a big fan of fire pro wrestling. Um, And uh, so he was excited about it. He said that back a few years ago, TNA impact had, done a video game but it was kind of crappy like you could only do like five moves and that was because uh 
WWE and their 2K series or whatever had kind of licensed all of the moves or something like that in yeah. there. And I don't know if there's truth to that or not, but I am so interested to find out because he said that like it really limited, like, like if you used Kurt Angle in the impact game, it was just like he had a punch and a kick and like a suplex and uh, the angle slam or whatever. And that was like literally all he could do because it was just like they had licensed all these wrestling moves or something. And I was like, that can't, how is that a thing? And uh, so he was saying he's interested to see what these guys are doing because like obviously Retrosoft, it seems like a pretty basic kind of video game, but uh, I'm interested in what Virtual Basement's doing too, because if that's, if that's the case, that's kind of BS. You can't license the wrestling moves. They, uh, I think the uh, Xbox and the PlayStation, those are the systems we have. I'm not a gamer. My my daughters play and my wife plays a little bit. I do play uh, I play the show. That's the only thing I play. I don't know if you can see that. I'm not endorsing the show. I, I play the baseball, but, and I'm not that good at it, but I have been really stoked about this retro mania. Um, I think that's something I can get into because, you know, I grew up on the Atari 2600, so – one button, one joystick, and their retro looks like it might jive with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, WWE had licensed moves in, in, in an effort to monopolize that as well. For those who don't know, the Atari 2600 came out in 1957 uh, when Rob yeah, was like 17, I, I believe. <laughs> my, first president, my first president was the first Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> a, I feel like that's accurate historical information based on the year I just said, which is already just blowing my mind. So congratulations, Rob. <laughs> well, speaking of Zicky Dice. <clears throat> let's let's speak of the outlandish one. Uh, uh, well, speaking of him and Eli Drake, there was. I just thought this was fun. Uh, a little exchange between Eli Drake and Zicky Dice on social media where Eli actually said that his favorite part of Carnyland this week was Zicky Dice and Zicky Dice replied back, uh, you know, kind of a little, a little bromantic, you know, that he was, uh, it melted his heart that he got that shout out from Eli. So, you know, who knows, could be a little collaboration between the two of them. What, you know, I don't know where that would go, but it was cool to see them interacting and, uh, kind of supporting each other on on twitter so i thought that was that was interesting funny i didn't see any tweet like that from nick aldis mm. okay didn't you <laughs> you hush it, <laughs> you hush it. <laughs> <laughs> oh moving on do you guys watch uh <laughs> so uh do, do y'all watch being the elite YouTube series, you know, we've talked a lot about AEW, but is that uh, uh, produced by NWA? It is not. No, so it's not. Okay, well, being the elite this week, uh, at the end, we saw the return of a former member of the elite in Marty Skrull, who is tied to NWA. Good one, uh, through Ring of Honor. Um, but it was really funny. So go go watch it if you get a, a chance. But basically, at the end of the episode. Uh, the Young Bucks and Hangman Page are all kind of in a huddle and they're, they're talking about how we just got to get, you know, our mojo back. We got to, uh, you know, so it's like something's missing. And I think one of them says, uh, if, if somebody could just walk through that door and just, you know, something or someone and just tell us like what's missing, 
Well, then a guy walks in with a face mask on, pulls it off. It's Marty Skrull. They totally ignore him. Uh, it's a total comedy bit. But they're just like, you know, uh, they think he's the room service guy. Tell him to leave the steak over by the, you know, by the bed or whatever. And he's just like, guys, I'm back. I'm back. And then uh, he just leaves. So that was that. So I don't know if that's going anywhere. I don't know if, if my thought was maybe Ring of Honor, since they're not doing any shows, maybe they're going to let him appear on Dynamite or something. I don't know. But um, I just thought that was interesting that he, he had uh, kind of reemerged on being the elite. I have no problem with being the elite for the record. I have not seen it. I mean, I've seen prior episodes, but I did read that news about Marty Scroll and it made me wonder kind of the same things. Like, uh, who knows, man? Maybe that's uh, building those bridges. Um, obviously, there's that connection, like you said, with the elite and, um, you know, Ring of Honor. Well, and then now NWA and Ring of Honor. Apparently, New Japan reconsidered uh, a lot of stuff about Ring of Honor. Like they were, I had heard the rumors or seen them in, in various places, like The Observer, that they were kind of done with Ring of Honor. But when they saw they re signed Marty and some of the signings they had done, and, uh, had put Marty in such a prominent position, they kind of reconsidered everything and were kind of fine with Ring of Honor again. So uh, they apparently like well, Marty Skrull. So maybe he's the guy that's going to make all of it come together. Well, and along the same lines, I don't know if you guys saw this in the uh, NWA fam discord today, uh, but RJ Krasinski had tweeted at Cody. I think he was doing kind of a Q&A about the title or something, but he, he asked him, uh, he said, uh, is the open challenge, because Cody's announced that he's going to do a weekly open challenge, kind of like John Cena used to do with the U.S. title um, for the TNT Championship. And he said, is it open to non-AEW talent? And Cody retweeted it and just said yes. So, you know, I, I don't know I don't know what that's hinting at or if he's just kind of stirring the pot there. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like with everything going on, um, and, and as you mentioned a lot, Rob, you know, AEW is kind of like first cousin. and. I think they do want to support indie wrestling and not just indie wrestling, but other promotions that, you know, are not WWE uh, as direct competitors and kind of spotlighting those people. So I, I would not be shocked if AEW pulled in a, uh, you know, a Marty Skrull for a, a TNT title match. That would be interesting um, or something like that, where they're just able to kind of on a per appearance basis, kind of pull these people in and maybe so, even some other people from, from AEW, maybe we even, you know, they were talking in the Discord about, uh, you know, getting Aldis and Cody again. Um, you know, it wouldn't be for the, the world's title. If it was the TNT title, it wouldn't be as prestigious, but we know those two can put on, you know, a hell of a match. So, you know, the, the chance of seeing uh, Aldis, you know, possibly on, on TNT and, and representing the NWA would be a really cool thing. And something that, you know, as much as AEW does, I think, try to be, you know, the, the, alternative akin to WWE and sports entertainment, I, I wouldn't put it past them to be generous enough to offer a, a spotlight to guys like that, that, that could use it. Yeah, they're certainly going to be less anal about it, I, I think. I've always felt like there's like that, like I just said, like that obviously fabric that's weaved in there between all of them. And, and like Rob said, the, the first cousin there, I mean, it feels like that's definitely the case. It feels like there's – it's just a matter of communication 
like just something, something in there, something, the right person has to talk to the right person. I don't think it's, I really don't think it's the talent that has the problem. Like, I, I think it's just ownership has to get on the same page as far as, uh, you know, Ring of Honor and, and Corgan and Tony Khan and, and those guys. Um, I imagine that's the main part. Uh, Nick has been adamant every time I've talked to him about, uh, you know, like literally the first interview I did for the show was with Nick Aldis. And I remember saying like, it sucks, you know, like that, uh, we should get Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis two, Cody Aldis three. And, and it, it does kind of stink that those aren't going to happen. And he was like, yet Gary, yet, like they're not going to happen <laughs> yet. He was like, he was like, I have, uh, high hopes that all of those things will happen. Uh, Look so at the AEW roster, man. The AEW roster is full of disaffected, disenchanted WWE stars and NWA migrant stars. And you look at them all, Bunny, Penelope Ford, they were both participants in NWA 70 or the Crockett Cup. You look at Cody, you know, that you can, argue, you can make an argument that the AEW title sprung out of the NWA, you know, that it, and you know, I mean, this is, to me, it's not a matter of, of, if but when i think it's inevitable and again i don't think that there's this anal you know this paranoia that surrounds the aew it's just a matter like you said gary of let's get the let's get the power brokers together let's come to a deal let's protect the titles of both organizations and, and make sure that nobody you know is buried and that kind of thing and um but I, you know i'm sure that I, I think it will happen i think that it's inevitable that we'll see all this cody three because gosh man i mean that that, that series has been one of the perennial World Championship Series of, of my lifetime. And I'm, I've been along for a long, long time, man, since like the first Res Roosevelt presidency. You know what I mean? So. That, well, <laughs> that's, I love, uh, I love that callback. That is, uh, that is why I, uh, I still believe that it, it's, there's a good chance that it happens. I, I, I feel like the guys in the elite, Besides their friendship with Marty Skull, I feel like they recognize, I feel like a guy like Cody recognizes that there's that that connection to their launching pad was all in. And a big part of that all in was their relationship with the NWA and William Patrick Corgan. And that Cody and Aldis feud was as much of a main event as anything else they had. So uh, I would say pretty, pretty close to just, it was the most important match on on the card so hopefully hopefully they get to uh you know get back together again because that uh they, they've got good chemistry those two guys anyway um unless unless i'm missing something like the one i think about it i'm like you know there there is ways that everyone wins like you know like aew and nwa are not competitors nwa comes on tuesday nights aew's on wednesday nights they don't run pay-per-views at the same time they don't you know it's there's cross promotion between nwa ring of honor aew throwing them in the mix because they do have a big platform i mean the only thing i could see could be money considerations or um you know just the idea that if we give, uh, if AEW gives an NWA uh, performer a spotlight, that's somebody on their roster that's missing a spot in a pay-per-view or, or, or in a, on a card. But it, it just, it helps wrestling as a whole to cross promote like that because, you know, I had lost interest in Ring of Honor until, you know, Marty Skrull showed up 
and then Nick Aldis showed up over there, like, you know, that kind of got me back into to wondering about Ring of Honor and, and wanting to watch that. And I'm sure there's Ring of Honor fans that now, you know, want, were wanting to tune into NWA. Like, um, I didn't want to tune into one at the expense of the other. It was in addition to. So it just grows the wrestling fandom as a whole. And I think Tony Khan, from what, what I've heard about him, he's a wrestling fan. Um, that's why he wanted to run AEW because he's a wrestling fan and he's very active on social media with the fan community, very aware of everything that's going on. So I feel like out of obviously between him and the McMahon empire, he's going to be far more open to including some of those, um, you know, non-contracted talents onto his show and giving them a stage. So I, I would love to see that. I hope it happens. Just like dwelling Good night, in the everyone. silence. <laughs> Just like dwelling in the silence. Thank you for tuning in. All right, guys. Well, we've uh, we've dragged this thing out for a pretty long time. I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Was uh, if you're done with the news, we can head into our next segment, which we uh, we like to call putting them over and burying them or something. I don't know what we decided to call it. Really, <laughs> I just went into it with so much enthusiasm. <laughs> I, I honestly, I just like, uh, I just like popping Will over there. Like he, <laughs> when he gets all giddy. So, uh, anyway, what do you guys, uh, t- <laughs> so, and also I, I like making him laugh, but then I hate how disappointed he looks at me sometimes. So. I'm only disappointed. I'm only disappointed when after everything I say, you guys just sit and stare at me. That's happened like, to me multiple times, so I don't want to hear it. Okay. I feel like right. I've said something, and, and there's a delay for sure, but then I'm just like, is anybody else going to say anything? Do I need to move on? I don't know. Uh, I'm like, just my internet connection. I'm like, did it freeze up? No, they're still they're blinking. One other piece of news we forgot to cover, man, and that, that is that uh, the, uh, the bearded trio got slinked this week. Oh, yeah. That is true. That did happen. Uh, my wife, super proud of it. She just, uh, I already had one, obviously, but she, uh, she wanted. Yeah. No, well, anyway. <laughs> she wanted a Robert Stinson and Will Martin slink because she wants them on a coffee mug. Uh, what, what's the word? Uh, toot haste or what? what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. There's a word for it. No one knows what you're talking about. Two paster. <laughs> Two hots. Is that it? Ah, uh, yes. Ramstein. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, uh, the great philosopher Ramstein. <laughs> du hast mich. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, she wants to know the coffee mug. That's her main concern. She keeps saying that over and over again. So uh, we need merch and we need a coffee mug that the uh, slate bearded trio could be on. Hey, this is a great time for, uh, you know, if you're still listening to this episode, even after the painful, awkward silences, after uh, everything I said in this well, episode. Well, if I do my job editing, uh, they won't exist. So well, exactly. you'll just sound so, like an asshole. But if you're still listening, uh, <laughs> send us some ideas and let us know if you would actually buy merch because we're tossing around the idea of, you know, coffee mugs, stickers, T-shirts, you know, cell phone hey, covers. Gravy pastries gravy cake recipe books i don't know it really sounded like you said gravy pastries for a second and that kind of turned me off i don't want to i don't want to like 
I tip the hand to gravy cake. That we were keeping that secret. <laughs> so Nothing's like, a secret cake. here. We're all family. <laughs> uh, no, no, no secrets here. Look at that. Wow, my hair. It's just real flat. Uh, Anyways, but yes, send us. Uh, let us know. You know, if you would, if that's something that you would uh, be interested in obtaining, so we can we can make sure that those become a reality. I told my wife we were going early today because we just get done in like an hour. Nope. Not happening. All right. So uh, who wants to go first on putting them over? I'll go first. I'll do that because uh, I got quick ones. Uh, I'm going to put over today Jay Cal's interview with David Marquez on the Alliance blog. That's mine. Uh, Jay Cal sits down with David Marquez in what is like an hour and a half of conversation with David Marquez. And it made my life a whole lot easier if I ever get to interview David Marquez because I just get to start from now and figure it out because they cover everything that dude has ever done. And in a way, to his credit again, that uh, I would have never been able to do. Like J. Cal knows names and places and times and all of this historical data that I just would not have. And it would take so much research to get uh jay cow's very familiar with that period of nwa history and uh it's cool to see him break down some stuff and he gets some really cool stories out of david marquez like just old school nwa stuff and even i mean even back to like stuff with harley race and gordon soley and all of that stuff david marquez has worked with all of them and uh it's very interesting and then to his credit also by the way the united wrestling network uh just announced they're starting to put out some new content like they just launched uh you on their youtube channel like you can watch weirdly the first week of this is the nwa weekly we talked about the alliance blog and how far they went back and we found that press release from perth australia and that match uh or that 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 card and we ran it down like what was happening in the nwa at that time and uh united wrestling network headed up by David Marquez just released that YouTube video of that match uh, between Daniel Bryan and X-Pac as the main event of that Perth Australia NWA show. So that's kind of awesome. I thought, I don't, I don't think we had anything to do with that, but I'll be happy that we take credit for it. Um, anyway, so that, that David Marquez interview is, is really, really good. Jason, Jason Cayley does it. Uh, does us proud. Sorry, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time here. This this last part of it. <laughs> Good job, J. Cal. You're amazing, and I love that interview. And it makes me not feel like I have to ever dig anywhere that deep into the history of David Marquez. Because from now on, I can just be like, if you want to know everything about this dude's history in wrestling, go watch this one because he he gets it all. I think I don't think they missed a step. Uh, bury him. I'm going to bury whatever son of a gun kept pestering Marty Bell that she finally had to respond and say like, will you please stop messaging me? And then she had to feel bad because the person wouldn't stop messaging her and then she had to block them. That story bummed me out because Marty Bell is like the nicest freaking person on the planet. And what kind of asshole does that? Y'all leave, leave all of them alone. But in particular, for me right now, stop messing with Marty Bell. Marty Bell is like the sweetest person. Like, what the hell is wrong with you if you're harassing that woman? 
you are such an asshole. Stop it. Be better. All right, I'm done. Now, now you see, now you see <laughs> That's how it feels. I was gonna say, Rob, Rob, Rob needs to go because I'll. As soon as I'm done, you guys will just stop talking. So go ahead, Rob. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, I, I've got a berry, but I've got a couple of putovers, and I don't want to do more than one, but I feel like I need to because it's timely. Um, first of all, I want to put over um, our friends over at Ten Pounds of Podcast, Elder Sour, who uh, made Son a. Of a bitch. I meant to mention this. Good, good one. Sorry, so, sorry. That's so all I'm doing now. Sour is uh, made a, is now taking a visible role over at one of our sister channels, uh, and I, I, and you guys can correct me or not, but I think he's doing a daily uh, this day in NWA history. Elder Sour is a great guy. Adam Martello, no, those guys are doing some fantastic work, and so I want to put that channel over. Uh, go watch them, support them, support everybody in the NWA family. I want to put over Eli Drake's girlfriend Michelle. Uh, who uh, I was really pulling for Eli Drake. I don't often pull for him, but I was really pulling for him in that segment on the uh, the Eli Drake show, and uh, you know he came through. And then wait, wait, Rob, 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 over... I have to ask you this before you before you go on there because I, I meant to bring this up earlier when we were talking about the Eli Drake show, uh, but I wondered your thoughts on that segment because I was watching it. I legitimately thought that whole segment was pretty hilarious. I actually enjoyed it. And uh, not for the reasons you're bringing up now, because I'm a gentleman, but um, because I just thought the segment was funny with like the voiceovers and stuff like that. So, uh, so you were you were cool with that segment because it, it was a little it was a little I've decided, naughty. I've decided that you know with 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 what the NWA is doing, they're not beholden to me, and there's just going to be certain. I, I want everything that the NWA puts out to be palatable for uh, for my whole family. It's not going to be. I have to accept that. And so if I, look at, uh, if I look at the Eli Drake show as like what we do, NWA After Dark, you know, I can enjoy that. I'm just going to give props to Eli Drake, man. He's got a, he's got a hot girlfriend. <laughs> so it is what it is, man. You know, I'm proud of my, girl, I'm proud of my wife. <laughs> he should be proud of his girlfriend. So we all got, we've, got, we've all got beautiful wives, and, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. So um, that makes sense? Yep. I'm with you, buddy. It's like right, how, uh, how wiggly you got the chair while you were explaining. That. Yeah, I was like, oh, you, you got me in a logical bind here. Uh, third, uh, last thing I want to put over is our friend Brian Solomon, a major uh, ally of the National Wrestling Alliance, of the legitimacy of the world's title reign, and a contributor to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, a friend of This Is The NWA Podcast. Brian Solomon made the cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the August uh, – this is the August 2020 issue that's fresh on the newsstands now. And it looks this good in his underwear. On, yeah. <laughs> this article on WrestleMania, the real winners and losers, is authored by Brian Solomon. Uh, so I want to point you that way and put him up with big hats off and congratulations for making the cover story of PWI. And I have two berries. Uh, I also want to bury PWI <laughs> because uh – -oh. If you go down, if you look back in the official top 10 rankings, Nick Aldis inexplicably has dropped to number 10. He was at one point number eight, but he's dropped to number 10. Not only do we have Jacob Fatu rated above him, we have Tessa Blanchard rated above him. We have Jake Hager, who Nick Aldis defeated during the Aldis crusade. We have Roosh, who tagged with Nick Aldis as the junior partner. Uh, and we have Adam Cole, who's – 
an NXT guy, all rated above Nick Aldis. So I want to bury PWR for that. You got to get your ratings in order, guys. Such I have a well, big like problem PW. with Jake Hager being above him. And exactly, I, man. I mean, and you know what? No disrespect and, and, to Jake Hager, at, except that, like, I mean, at least Adam Cole Roosh and, like, those guys are, like, champions in their brands. But, like, Jake Hager, why? Why? And, all, and again, the only encounter he's ever had with, with Nick Aldis, Nick Aldis has a clean pinfall victory over him. You know, so it's, it's inexplicable to me. We're uh, about to have another NWA versus PWI episode. <laughs> I know, man. We need to. Uh, the women's top ten, Thunder Rosa's not even mentioned in there. Not even mentioned. You've got uh, people who are from independent promotions. You've got Kaylee Ray, Sasha Banks, who I, you can't tell me. You can't tell me in a million years that Sasha Banks can hold a candle to Thunder Rosa. No. All rated up there. Thunder Rosa not even mentioned. So I'm both, I'm both uh, putting over and bearing PWI. And then I want to bury – the 57 people, the 57 assholes who put thumbs down on the on the Girl Power episode of uh, 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 this week on uh, on uh, Friday. 57 people had the audacity to thumbs down that very important episode. Go, go take a long walk on a short pier, man, if you did that. You can follow my Twitter to see how I feel about people that thumbs down it. I have uh, made it very clear uh, what they can do with themselves. But... Uh, yeah, I can't believe it got up to 57. That kind of bums me out. Like, what in the hell? Why? Why would you thumbs down that video? Like, literally, what reason would there be to thumbs down that video? Except you being a dick. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Will stay silent, so I assume it was because he did. <laughs> well, you guys have got it covered. You're saying it all. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I I will put over uh, – I will put over Eli Drake – for uh, mentioning wrestling this week um, as much as he did. I thought that was probably the highlight of my week um, next to, so the two, the two pieces of NWA content I'll put over is that, and then just uh, Eddie Kingston as a whole. I just really enjoyed listening to him speak. I just, I think I said it in a previous episode, but um, anytime he speaks, like I, I kind of, I didn't know going into that interview uh, if we were going to get, uh, which version of Eddie Kingston and now I know that there's only one version and that makes me really happy um, and so now even more than before I can listen to him speak whenever because there's he is himself and I love that and so he's just so compelling so entertaining um, and so between him and then just the and with Eli Drake it was more just about it got me thinking about wrestling and, and in an analytical way which I love to do so um, that really helped. And then I'm just going to bury myself for uh, not putting out the daily show this week. That's and, not fair. Uh, and and, like and, and I'll, I'll bury myself in hopes that it will uh, inspire me to, to uh, do better content this week. And Listen, more. I can tell you straight up front as uh, the, the founding member of this is the NWA uh, that we are now all part of uh, this, this, this place ain't like that, man. You can only, you know, I, when I was struggling uh, early on, I'll just go ahead and put it out there, and, I, and I'll have to go back and look for the exact same quote, but a great wise man once told me, and his name was David Lagana, because I just messaged him when I was talking to him about, like, God, my work's been so busy, and uh, he legitimately was like, dude, you can only do what you can from where you are, 
at the time it is or something like that. It was like, basically he, he was just like, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, and David Lagana is paid to work on his stuff 24 seven. So, you know, none of us are making a ton of money to just do this thing. So don't, we're not going to beat anybody up. You, you do what you can. And, uh, I, I'll give you shit about it. I mean, I will do that. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate that. I just wanted to make it known that it wasn't because I didn't want to, um, just to make that clear, I, you know, the highlight of every day for me is being able to put out something to, uh, uh, inform and maybe make people laugh. And so, uh, I missed it more than anyone else. So, um, it's definitely on my list of, of things to, to get back onto this week. Um, but yeah, that that's other than that. I mean, I, I don't really. There wasn't really a lot. Uh, there, there's plenty of negativity in the in the real world, quote unquote, to Barry. Um, but in the world of wrestling, uh, I I just generally tried to focus on the positive this week. So not to make you guys feel bad for burying stuff, but the dickhead. I'm gonna uh, bury silence that I said. <laughs> He gonna do that, and this was his idea. <laughs> hey, I was about to say, what, 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 what <laughs> response did you want us to have right there? Like, what did you think was gonna happen? I don't know, man. Something. Before we went live, he was like, "Hey, man, let's do a segment where we bully somebody every week. We're gonna bury some trap. <laughs> it's gotta be a person. It's gotta be somebody who's gonna hear it. We gotta just totally destroy oh, them." Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, unless you guys have something else, I think that's it for this week's episode of This is the NWA Weekly. Hopefully, if you've heard this, you've already uh, subscribed to the show. Uh, That helps us get in front of more people, not just you because you see it again, but because YouTube says, oh, hey, people actually like this. Uh, They're subscribing to it. So you should do that. You should hit the bell that alerts you whenever new stuff comes out because we always put out new stuff. And... uh, you know, follow us online. I am uh, at this is Gary Horn. Uh, Will, where are you at? At hey, it's Will with one L. Okay, and Rob. <laughs> I am uh, at R Stinson four, the number four, as in this right here. Okay, perfect. And the podcast is at the NWA Pod on all of the social medias. Wherever you look, we are there. We're following you. I promise uh, every breath you take and every move you make, all that stuff. So until next week, thank you so much for listening and watching all this stuff.